on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome into yet another and the last UNC football scouting report. Today is the quarterbacks. And of course, we know the two players that we'll discuss. That's Jason Staples. I'm Tommy Ashley. It's Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com as always. Staples has finished 50, how many, 55, 56 players. Let me take a look. I actually don't know. Um. What, whatever the ultimate number is, it is a ridiculous amount of work that Staples has put in these, culminating in the quarterbacks, culminating in Milkana's Heisman Trophy candidate. Um, but Jason, I know you're exhausted. I know it's been a long grind this summer, a lot going on. Um, but let's talk about him, and, and we're going to lead off here with Connor Harrell. Uh, 54. 54 player, individual player scouting reports. And if you're not on Tar Pit Premium Message Boards and you are watching this, go join up, watch it, read them, do all of what you got to do, and understand the time. How, how much time into each scouting report, Jason? Ballpark. It depends because some of them were guys that I'd scouted a good bit prior coming into this year. So then it's just a matter of going back through and taking a look to, okay, how much has changed. And in some, in some cases that's not that much, but I'm still going through and spending the time just watching different things and trying to pull up representative clips. That's actually one of the things that takes the longest at this stage is, okay, I want to, I want to find representative clips for each player to be able to show, okay, here's something that you can kind of see that, gives you a, a, an indication of what this guy brings to the table, good and bad. Uh, and so that, that in itself ends up being a decent amount, a decent chunk, even for the guys that, that uh, are, I'm not spending extra time on uh, looking at them, you know, this year as the first year that I'm doing their real, their, their, uh, their full uh, scouting report. So someone like Gavin Blackwell, for example, I'd spend a little more time on because I hadn't done a whole lot on him before uh, with Drake may, I mean, it took some time. I mean, still going through and taking a look at at, at certain things to confirm what I already kind of knew, and in certain cases, remind myself of certain things, and you know, to double check what I thought, what I think I know. So it depends, but uh, it's not, it's not. I'll just say it's non-trivial for each player. 
It's amazing work and certainly um, one of the highlights of Inside Carolina Premium Tar Pit Message Boards and the, the premium site as a whole. It, it is fascinating to to read them. It's fascinating to do these shows. So let's get right into it. I said his name earlier. We're going to start with Connor Harrell. He is the de facto backup quarterback to Drake May. Hadn't seen a ton of Connor. Uh, sort of disappeared a little bit last fall. Um didn't get a ton of work. Spring got back on the right track, I believe. Uh, they believe he's going to be a solid number two. They hope he's a solid number two. Jason, what would you see from Connor Harrell? Yeah, so like you said, he's a guy that kind of disappeared last year uh, because they had two guys that basically took all the reps. And, you know, he came in – basically I'm evaluating off of two springs because he didn't play last year at all. Uh, on the field and then the other thing is that, as i understand it he really didn't get a whole lot of reps during the fall so you know you get better a lot of people think that that, that players get better by playing in games and there is a certain degree to which that's true you 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 get to experience things at a at an intensity at a speed that you can't quite replicate in practice you get to uh, to deal with the pressure in certain ways that you don't in other cases. So that kind of experience does matter a little bit. But where you really tend to get better, where players get better, is rep is reps day after day, you know, week after week, doing the same things that they've got to do, understanding that okay, I see this look, I go here, and it's got to be out at this time, and you do it so many times that it just becomes routine and it becomes muscle memory and it becomes something that's a part of you. That's where you get better is through all those reps. And he came in last spring and he was really, I, I thought he was much better than, than I expected coming out of high school. I mean, I wasn't really sure. I thought he was a good player in high school and certainly a, a, a guy that was a winner in high school. I mean, he, he <laughs> unbelievable record in high school. I don't remember what the exact, numbers are on that in terms of his win-loss record in high school but it was it, it was absurd uh and it wasn't just i mean he played it at one of the better high schools uh in that state but it wasn't just that it was he also was a big reason for that and and so you know, you knew you were getting a good player but when he came in last spring he was much more impressive than i thought he'd be uh just grasped the offense much more quickly and was a you know he looked like a guy who'd been in the system a couple of years already by the spring game last year. And then he basically sat on the shelf and did some scout team stuff and, and took very few real reps last fall. And then basically was starting, starting from scratch again, this spring. Uh, and I thought there were some times, you know, I got to see him in the open practice uh, and uh, look at what they're, what, what he's trying to do pretty closely uh, look at how he looked. And I thought there were times where he, he didn't look as sharp as he did last year in spring. Uh, there were times where, you know, he, he was still, I, I think if anything, he might've started not just at, not from scratch this, this spring, but actually a little bit behind because he had just not gotten enough reps to really stay sharp. And so he had a little bit of work to do. And then by the spring game, you could start to see starting to get a little bit more comfortable again. Uh, but, 
he's a guy that's going to need a good summer and really need to, to settle in with all the reps that he's going to get in camp. And they're going to give him a ton of practice reps this season because they know Drake may, who we're going to talk about in a second, he, he's pretty good. They know that, you know, that guy doesn't, you know, it's not that he doesn't need reps, but it's not a, a thing where, you know, if he doesn't get every practice rep, then they're in trouble. No, Drake can, you know, they can afford to, to give, the backup, a few additional practice reps to make sure that he's ready to roll this season because you got Drake may. And so now that's what he's going to be benefiting from this year. And and I think you could already see a little bit of that as he grew a little bit during the, uh, during, during the, this spring, but thing, the, the things that stick out about him, first of all, super smart, very, very smart guy. Uh, wasn't he the, I think he was the valedictorian of his, of his high school class. Yep. Valedictorian of his high school class, honor society, Mu Alpha Theta, math, honor society. Brilliant kid. (laughs) Yeah. He is, he's wicked smart, right? I mean, (laughs) my boy's wicked smart. So, you know, and he, he brings that to the table right away. And, And there are a lot of guys that are book smart that, you know, can draw it up on the, on the board that then when you put them on the field, they don't respond as quickly. They don't actually react as quickly. And they're being that smart can actually be a, a negative in certain cases. Uh, EJ Manuel is like that a little bit. He was super smart, but processed just a little bit slower than ideal in the pocket. And that ultimately is what cost him at the, at the NFL level. He was a really good college quarterback, but at the NFL level, the, the speed was not quite there. I think Harold's a guy that, that might have a, might have both. He he seems to me to process pretty well. Issue for him is he's only six foot. They list him at what six foot and a half. I think he's, you know, that's that's maybe generous. And I'm not sure how well he sees from the pocket all the time. Uh, I think that is a factor for him, uh, and he's still learning at this level with that. But I think he processes pretty quickly, and is a guy that is super smart, and then has a strong enough arm. Actually, in, in person. He had a stronger arm than I thought he did when I watched him last spring and I didn't get to see him in person last spring. And I was impressed by him, but I wasn't as impressed by his arm strength. And I thought in person, he had a stronger arm than I, than I'd realized. He's got a strong arm and, and a strong enough arm to make all the throws in Carolina's offense. And, and they, they, they throw everything. So uh, he can do that. It's compact motion, certain things about his motion. I mean, I, I his, his throwing mechanics aren't ideal to me. I mean, there is a little push to his motion, that I'd like to see him snap it off just a little bit more than, than push it. Uh, that that's a factor, but it's so, but he gets it. He, the delivery is so quick and he's got good hand talent and can change the speed of the ball to different, to different levels and all that. He's got a, a lot of the tools that you want. And then finally a good athlete. I think he's a sub four, six type guy. I mean, things break down and he can, he can make plays with his feet. So, a lot to work with there. The The biggest things for me that he needs to, to really demonstrate at this point is he needs to show that he can protect the football consistently in this offense. And then secondly, I thought he struggled throwing the deep ball and throwing verticals in this spring. Uh, there were times where it looked to me that he was throwing to spots rather than throwing to where the receiver, like rather than throwing, rather than seeing where the receiver was relative to coverage and throwing it to where he was going to be, he was dropping back and just chucking it to a spot. 
and hoping that the receiver would be there. And that's not ideal. And that's something that he, you know, just kind of throwing it out there. Uh, that's, that's not ideal for what you want. He needs to settle in in terms of getting some comfort in terms of what they want to do with some of the vertical stuff that they're doing in this offense and show that he can drive that down the field on some of those bucket throws and the, the fades and the, the back shoulder things. If he can show that he can do that while protecting the football and, and just generally becoming a consistent quarterback uh, that, that they can rely on, then he's in position to, to, to at least compete for, if not be the prohibitive uh, uh, favorite to be the starter going into next year. Yeah, just for um, in case folks have forgotten, um, and like we said, a couple things, Harold spent most of last year, if not all of last year, on the scout team, and that's a big difference than getting second team reps like you'll get this year. But in high school, he threw 6,100 yards, 81 touchdowns, six interceptions in two years. <laughs> that's that's absurd. Yeah, he's twenty four and one. They, they say twenty four and one, but then they say led him to thirteen and one and fourteen and zero. So, anyway, kid's a winner. Kid's certainly a, a guy. Now that high school team he played on was stacked, um, but you need somebody to drive the bus, and he was able to drive it and, and be very successful. And I think they believe in him now. It'll be interesting um, when Drake moves on. Um, there's probably some portal shopping there. And they have the other- to. They they, yeah. they have to just because of the number of bodies on the roster. Yeah. And, and so they'll, you know, you got Merdinger coming in and then you got, you know, Bryce Baker a year after that. Harold's a guy that, you know, great student, you know, wants to get an education and all that stuff, but he's going to have to perform on the field um, to get on the field. That's going to be the key for me to watch this year, Jason, before I move on to Drake is, Harold has to be able to play. You said you have to get some game reps. You need those practice reps. He needs game reps. How will they work him into the mix during this season? The schedule doesn't have the cupcakes early to be able to do that. So they're going to have to force feed Harold game reps, I think, as the season goes on, because they got to know what they got. Um, You don't want to go into 2024 totally unknown, um, and then that portal deal becomes a major factor. Anyway. Well, this Harold. is one of the reasons, by the way, you know, Greg Barnes did a did a piece a couple weeks ago now, I think it is, where he talked about if Carolina wants to to be a championship team, then they're going to have to up the margin of victory. Yeah. Right. La- last year, uh, they had, what, uh, six wins that were by one score or less. Six. I think, I think it was six and three in one score games. Yeah. That, that, that's unsustainable, right? You can't yeah. play nine, one score games. You just can't. Yeah. And one of the other th- reasons that that's so important is not just in terms of your margin for for error, because you know the reason you're six and three instead of you know three and six in those games is because you got Drake May. When you have the elite quarterback, that's a pretty good tiebreaker, right? So you're in in one score games. You're gonna you know all things being equal, one score games. You're gonna bet on the team that has the you know elite quarterback, but. The other place that that really matters in terms of upping your margin of victory is when you start winning by 21, 28, 31 points, you get a guy like Connor Harrell a couple of real series where he isn't just coming on to hand the ball off, you know, for one series at the end of the game. He gets to he gets to play two, three series and actually run the offense. 
that it is imperative that they win a few games this year by enough points that he's able to actually run the offense and that they're able to actually see what they have with him and give him the opportunity to get into the flow and feel what that's like with the lights on and with the crowd there and against somebody who's, you know, playing, who's not, they're not, it's not your, your defense in practice. All of that stuff's going to be really important for, for Harold this year. And that's one of the, re- one of the other reasons that it's so important that you get some blowouts uh, in your, on your schedule that, that you can actually uh, run the score up a little bit so that you can get those guys experience. And this is another thing, another reason why teams that win, it, it, it ends up being recursive. A team wins by a lot and then they're able to roll more of their inexperienced guys out there in the fourth quarter, you know, sometimes even earlier and get them some real experience in, in those blowouts. And guess what? The next year, those guys are more ready because then they'll, they'll, they've made those mistakes in those situations and then they can correct all that stuff in practice. By the time they get there the next year, they're in better shape. And then they roll up on a bunch of more teams and, they do the same thing with the next crop and then it becomes a, a, a program thing. That's something Carolina absolutely has to do this year when you've got Drake May at quarterback in order to sort of establish where the program needs to be moving forward. Well, if Drake's playing 99.9% of the reps, 2024 becomes it's very interesting. Yeah. Now one, one other thing that's really uh, should be encouraging is when I was at the open practice, uh, I was one of the last people to leave from the non-football folks on the team. I stayed around. I ended up talking to a couple receivers, talked to Josh Downs, a few other guys, you know, about a variety of different things. And I'm pretty sure if I, if I don't remember this uh, wrongly, I think, uh, I think Connor Harrell was there longer than me on the field. So I left about a half an hour, maybe 45 minutes after the practice ended and Connor Harrell was still there throwing still there working on a couple things he wasn't satisfied with from the practice and Gavin Blackwell and a couple other guys from the, from the receivers, I think it was Blackwell and green. If I remember right, those guys were out there running routes for him because he wanted to get some stuff and he was just not happy about a couple things, worked on some stuff, working on some mechanics stuff, working on things that he, he needs to get better at. And that, that told me a lot when you got a guy that's out there 30, 40 minutes after practice, still throwing, still working on things that he's not satisfied with. That's a good sign for the future. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, that is Connor Harrell, number 15 
on your roster and on the field. We'll see how much time he gets behind the next person and the last scouting report that Jason Staples put together. The 54th guy that Jason had a chance to evaluate, Mr. Drake May. Of course, there's no need to go over his accolades um, and the hype. The hype is real. Um, you will see the hype. You see the hype from game day being in Charlotte. Um, that's partly, if not um, overwhelmingly, because of Drake May and what he brings to the table. Uh, ACC All Access, Drake May, we've seen those highlights. Jason, you were – I saw him – I knew about him in high school. Thought he was going to be pretty good. Uh, we talked to Drake um, on one of the players' lounges, the very first players' lounge this summer, and he said he doubted himself a little bit last or two years ago when he wasn't playing. Of course, he was behind Sam Howell. Um, and, and he said he started thinking, you know, can I do this? And he had a couple of welcome to college moments. <laughs> You've been high on him since he walked on campus. Uh, tell me why that was the case back then. And without tooting your own horn, <laughs> because you were right, <laughs> how does he get better and what does he do this year to be better than he better than maybe even you thought he was and better than he actually was last year. Yeah. Um, well, the, the reason that I, I was so high on him, there are a couple. Uh, one is if you just watch him throw the football, uh, I've always been, I've always been someone who I pay, a, I pay very close attention to how the ball comes off a guy's hands. Uh, and so when the ball's coming off a guy's hand, you can, you can see certain guys control it from their fingers just better than other guys. And, uh, and you can see the way that, that he's able to control the ball off his hand and throw with the right speed for the right throw, throw with great touch to different levels. And then the other thing is when I watched him throw, I've got certain belt, bellwether throws that I just, I judge quarterbacks on when I see him make that throw, I'm, I'm taking notes like, okay, how, how good was that, that throw, that throw matters. There's certain things like, okay, you know, a lot of guys can make that throw, but that throw, how consistently do I see the guy make that throw and that throw perfectly. And that, th you know, there are certain things and he consistently hit the bellwethers right on the money. It's like, okay, so all the, all the hand talent, all the, the arm stuff is there. And this, despite the fact that his footwork and all that was a complete and just an utter mess. <laughs> when I first watched him, I was like, wow, he's, he's making that throw, despite the fact that it, it, you know, his feet are over here and he's thrown over here and his eyes and mechanics are over here on everything else, but his above the shoulder mechanics and the way the ball comes off the hand once you get to this level, if it's like that, that's something that's hard to coach. It's hard to improve at this level. And if you've got it like that, that's an awful lot to build on. And then the second thing might be even more important, and this is what I saw last spring, is it's the processing speed. And, you know, this was the thing, you know, you remember uh, uh, going back to, wow, this was back when I think uh, Bryn was, was starting. Um, I saw some practice footage of Mitch Trubisky and said, it took me about five minutes. And I said, I think that guy's going to be a first rounder. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, Ben Sherman going, really? Why? It's like, 
let's let's back this up. Let's take a look at that route. Look at when he throws this route. And it and you can see, and then let's go back and let's watch, let's watch this route. Let's look at when he throws this route. You can see the processing speed. You see how quickly he's assessing things. And some guys have that. And, you know, Mitch was fast enough on that to, to be a first round prospect early on. Drake was on a whole different level. I, I felt like Drake was, you know, it was almost like watching uh, uh, Jameis Winston in terms of processing speed when he showed up at Florida State. You watch him his first spring at Florida State and you're like, oh my gosh, wow. Wow. He's, you know, it's where, you know, I'm watching the replay and he's making, he's, he's throwing the football before I'm actually assessing, before I've fully evaluated what's happening. Like he's seeing it faster than I'm seeing it. And I know what's happening. Like, okay, well, and Drake showed some of that already too. And you pair that with the physical traits. And now you're looking at not just a guy who could be a, a first round type guy. You're looking at a guy that could be, you know, a multi Super Bowl winner type, you know, franchise quarterback type guy. And that's what that's what Drake May, I think, can be. He's still got a long way to go. That the crazy thing is as good as he was last year, and, and you know, David Hale has had uh, a Twitter thread going. He he has this every offseason where David Hale t- goes through uh, and ranks very, you know, preseason what he thinks the various units of different teams in the ACC, how they stack up. And in the process, he goes through all these advanced stats about teams. And one of the things that came up that kept coming up in this is like, wow, UNC was really bad at X, really bad at X, really bad at Y, really bad at Z. How did they win any games last year? And then it's like, oh, you get to Drake May and it's like, oh, yeah, well. And David Hale's point was for them to have won as many games as they did and to have been as good as they were, despite being subpar in so many of these other areas, how good was Drake May for them to, to overcome a lot of that? Incredibly good. But the thing is, there's still, the, the, and this is the, cra- the crazy thing, is there's still so much room for improvement for him. Mm-hmm. And I think he'd tell you that. Is He is, I don't think last year, he, he was even over, say, 70, 75% of his potential. I don't think we saw more than, say, 75% of his potential as a college player. That which, which is scary. Yeah, that's frightening. I mean, you're talking about a guy that 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 uh, put up as good a season as as anybody up until the last couple games, last what three four games where teams started to figure him out a little bit on 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 offense a little bit, but you know put up a, a crazy season and then still has a long way to go. That that's the thing, and the things that that he can really work on. Number one, he's still got room to work in terms of footwork mechanics and all of that. Funny thing is that last year in my, uh, in my preseason, you know, my summer uh, 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 scouting report, I'd said, uh, basic, here's, the, here's the quote from it. Basically, I'd have him study and mimic Tom Brady's in-pocket footwork all offseason because his, his footwork's a mess. So I'd want him to do that. Well, the funny thing about that is that <laughs> Carolina brought Tom Brady's former quarterback coach, Clyde Christensen, in as an analyst that 
gives May an extensive cat, uh, an extensive uh, access to an extensive library of practice footage of Brady. Not just Brady, by the way, but Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, who also worked with Christensen. He's got a pretty good background in terms of quarterbacks, but he's been working on all of that stuff on precisely the biggest flaw that he had coming in uh, or coming out of last season. And that's something that if he can get that cleaned up, there were times where last year uh, he missed some, some throws where, you know, he'd hit not nine throws in a row that were just wow throws. And then he'd miss one that was just a complete head scratcher and it'd just be in the dirt. And it's because almost every time it was because of bad footwork and bad uh, just being out of rhythm out, out of, out of sync with his feet. Uh, you know, last year he would tend to bounce in the pocket. He wouldn't keep his cleats on the, uh, his cleats in the ground to be ready to throw on time and his feet would get disconnected from his eyes and his read progression at times. So it, there would be times where his read progression would have him going off to the right, but his feet would still be off to the left and he'd be bouncing with, you know, no feet on the ground and he'd already be starting his, th- his wind up for the throw and he'd have like one cleat on the ground. <laughs> and the crazy thing is he'd still complete those half the time, but that's just not a sustainable way to continue to play quarterback. There were just too many. What was that throws for him? And he just, he's too good a thrower and too good with his, with his arm talent, hand talent to make some of those mistakes. So uh, that's the thing that I think more than anything else, needed to change. And I think that's the thing that they focused on the most in the spring and what he's continued to work on during the fall. And I think that's going to, that's going to help him significantly. Uh, There are also a few other things. He held onto the ball last year, an average of 2.19 or uh, 2.91 seconds, which was 39th most among those of the hundred plus dropbacks last year. So he held onto the ball a long time last year. Uh, I'd like to see him. And this is, this is where it gets kind of funky. gets a little bit nitpicky. I'd like to see him get that average of him holding onto the ball from say 2.91, which is where he was last year down to 2.7 or just a little bit under that. And the, the benefit of that is that that takes him under what should be the time to pressure average for the Carolina offensive line. And now he's throwing, from a cleaner situation just because he's getting rid of it a little bit quicker. So that's something he can do. One of the reasons he held on to it is he's such a good athlete and you know, he's a, he's actually a dual threat guy and he made a lot of, a lot of plays outside the pocket, outside of structure. And you'd like to see him do that a little bit, a little bit less often this, this year, especially since they don't have depth behind him. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I think, I think those two things stood out last year. And then finally, the third thing is there were times where when teams uh, and I'll I'll have an article on this down the line uh, before the season uh, on Carolina's offense and what teams did to them last year uh, down the stretch. But when teams rushed three and dropped eight or uh, just rushed, what was it? Rushed, uh, rushed five. So, you know, your fire zone type thing or your drop eight, he had more trouble against those situations, against those uh, teams figured it out at the end of the year. Teams that rushed three or rushed five fared better than teams that uh, 
or defenses that rushed three or five fared better than defenses that rushed four or six. So there's a little bit of a comfort level in terms of certain coverages and certain looks that he cut up really easily last year. And there were a few things that after the Georgia tech game, some teams were able to kind of figure out he was not as comfortable with in terms of how quickly he processed it and how their, how the offensive structure was set up. Uh, I think a lot of that was Longo's offense, not having certain hots built in and all of that for him to be comfortable. But I digress there, <laughs> but that's something that I think he can, he can also benefit from, uh, from basically figuring out uh, is how to handle when teams decide to mush rush him, which is you get three guys that are just going to stay in their lane and try to com com uh, compress the pocket and make sure that he's contained so that he can't make play, make plays outside the pocket. So he's going to have to make all throws on time. And if he's going to scramble, they're going to have say a spy that's going to be able to chase him. That was the situation where he struggled the most last year was when teams forced him to stay in the pocket there's no option to, to move around much in the pocket. He's got to stay on his spot and he's just got to make his decisions there down the stretch. He struggled a little bit in those situations. And that's the other big thing that he can grow on this year. And that's something that they, again, emphasized in the, uh, in the spring is in the, a lot of those situations and especially in the new offense that they're, that they're doing. Basically what they're saying is, look, your back is right there. Just take it. Mm-hmm. Take the free candy. Yep, take it. They're dropping eight. We're going to have your outlet right there. They're dropping eight. If that's not there and that's not there, understand that you don't actually have the ability to make a play on the run here. Just take the freebie. Live to see another play. Just take the freebie. Get it out of your hands and let's keep moving. That's the other thing that he has to figure out this year. And if he's able to, and, and the thing is, all of these things are things he can do. He's worked hard on his footwork through the spring and summer. So if that's better, then that's huge. Getting rid of it a little bit more quickly is tied to this other thing. He fixes those two things. Figuring out when defenses are, you know, keeping him contained and how to just basically find his outlet and live to see another play there. Take the free stuff and and do all that and get the ball out of your hands rather than trying to overcreate, which they kind of needed him to do at times last year. Once he's done those two things, he's much closer to the, you know, full potential, the fully weaponized Drake may that, that Carolina fans ultimately want to see. And if he gets there, look out ACC. I mean, you're talking about just absolutely absurd numbers, just filthy stuff that he could do with the, with the receiving core and tight end core he's got this year. Yeah, the one thing about him, he, he's so competitive. He wants to make the play, and to your point, it's almost like the free stuff was too easy. I want to do something bigger. And, and another remark that he made, um, and, and Mac has talked about it in press conferences, uh, when Longo was, was gone, he said, I want to have somebody that can teach me. And, and Lindsey can teach, and certainly Clyde Christensen can teach. I mean, the kid wants to get better. Even though, as you mentioned, the numbers last year, especially through the first 10 games, were just ridiculous. Um, and, and it, of course, had him, you know, on the verge of being in New York. He should and, have been in New York, even with the even with the last couple of games. He should have been there. 
Yeah, and if if they would have beaten Georgia Tech and State, he would have been no matter what I think. But anyway, what uh, what's realistic, Jason? And I, and this for folks watching this, if you watch and pay attention to these, you know we're doing over under podcast at some point down the road. You know we're doing one loss season. Let's get realistic touchdown numbers. Realistic and numbers that are appropriate for what Carolina is trying to do this. Cause I don't think you need Drake to go absolutely bananas, especially not running the ball. That's another whole story, but what's the realistic touchdown number? Where are we going to set that over under for that podcast in a couple of weeks? We talking about passing or total? Let's go passing. We had 37 last year. And that was on a team that couldn't run the football inside the 10 yard line all that well uh i would probably put that over under number at like 32 straight passing yep and you know that last year was 37 and they played in the acc title game so you know you've got that extra game in there which they may get it again this year but if you're just handicapping you can't count on that game so 32, I think, is a comfortable number for an over-under. And I would probably go with the over on that, just to telegraph where, where I'm at. I, I think with the receivers he's got, with what they're doing offensively, I think there's a, a real chance that, that he could do that. Now, he had 44 total last year because he had four rushing touchdowns as well. Yeah, um, he had uh, – he actually had seven. He had seven. I'm sorry, seven rushing touchdowns. He had 44 total, 37 passing, seven rushing They've got him for 38 on the official side. I thought he had 37 too, but they've got him 38 passing. Either way, it's a lot. Yeah. Maybe that's weird. Uh, I'm, uh, so I'm looking at mine. I'm looking at the numbers I got from uh, Pro Football Focus on this. So, oh, yeah. but um, maybe it's 38. Uh, so, in any case, I think, you know, comparable numbers to those from last year, maybe, maybe a couple fewer rushing touchdowns. You know, I, I think seven was an awful lot last year. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe he's looking at, you know, four or five rushing touchdowns this year. But I think somewhere in the vicinity of passing touchdowns would be good. The thing that that I think is maybe more interesting to look at for me is I want to look at does that interception number, which was seven last year, does that come down? Because it might. Ideally, you know, if he has, let's say, 32 touchdowns, or let's say he goes 34 touchdowns instead of 37 or 38, whatever the right number is from last year, and then two interceptions instead of seven, that's a better year. Mm -hmm. Even though he had fewer, you know, a handful, you know, three or four fewer touchdowns, those interceptions, that, that, that matters. And I yeah. think this year, I think he had a 109.7 NFL passer rating last year. I think this year he could get into the 115 range or, or maybe above. And, and, and I think it's, a, it's more about him maximizing efficiency than the raw touchdown numbers that I think is going to be most interesting this year. Yeah. I mean, if you look at those last four games, um, he had four of the interceptions. He had one against Tech, one against State, and two against Clemson. And then he was only 18 of 35 against Oregon for 206, but three touchdowns. Um, remember this game, 34-44, 388-5. and five. 
<laughs> against Pittsburgh with 61 yards rushing. Yeah. I mean, silly. He he is uh, elite to say the least. The other number that needs to come down, and this is on him as much as as it is on the offensive line. He was sacked 43 times last year. Yeah, which and, is too many. And I would venture to say that at least half of those were on him. Yeah, so, it's going to be interesting to see how the offense changes with Lindsey and that. But but those sack numbers also go to your um, 2.91 seconds of release of getting rid of the ball. So yep. And if he gets that to 2.7 on average, I mean that 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 two tenths of a second may seem like <laughs> like it's nothing, but that's a difference of maybe 10 sacks right there. Yeah. And you know if he if he's able to to improve a little bit on some of those using the pocket understanding when it's okay when when he's got space to to escape and when he doesn't some of those other things you know you'd like to see that sack number come down by more than half i mean you'd like to see that in the teens you know let alone uh or you know min, at minimum you'd like to see it in the low 20s but you'd really like to see it in the teens and some of that is just him learning you watch tom brady or you watch peyton manning those guys almost never got sacked and it wasn't because their offensive lines were always dominant. It's just they fully understood where all their options were. And they, they understood, okay, defense is doing this. I've, neither of them could escape worth anything. <laughs> they couldn't run at all. So but They knew where to go with it or to get rid of it. Yep, but they knew, okay, you know, they're bringing one more than I can, than we can block. Here's my one outlet. Oh, they covered that, throwing it over his head, live to see another play. And – you don't get sacked and he's got to he's got to embrace that to get to that next level to where you're not costing your team by taking 20 more sacks than you should have yeah it's gonna be fascinating to watch um just the improvement the numbers may be less and less what we talked about here and we'll talk about that later leading up to the season the numbers may be lower um but the efficiency goes up the team's better Better things happen, uh, win, and then you're in New York, and then you see what happens for North Carolina for Drake May, Jason Staples. Man, I, I look. Other people have thanked you. Other people have lauded. Somebody on the message board shouted out, said, "Man, I really love Tommy. What you and Jason do on these." I said, "It is all Jason. I'm just keeping it in the white lines." Not true, but it is all you, it. man. It is 100 all you. Great work. Looking forward to. Um, we'll have a couple of superlative articles um, that'll be out there. And then we've got over under podcasts. We've got season predictions. Whew, that's going to be it's a big one. Corner. We've got a bunch of stuff, Carolina and South Carolina with game day in attendance in Charlotte on Labor Day weekend. Johnny t-shirt, Johnny t-shirt.com. Do me a favor, folks, rate, review, subscribe, like this YouTube video, do all those good things. It helps us out and shout out Jason on the message boards and thank him for all the hard work he's done in this off season. There is no off season, but maybe over the next week or so, Jason can get some time away. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you, Tommy. It's been a pleasure. As always. Paramount plus and the national park foundation present a mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.